I've lived a thousand lives. I piloted a thousand souls. I killed and fought and died just for a single We made it. We made it. We're live. It lives. We weren't going to be, but Jason Mill swept in and saved us with his cape yes. and his charming smile. Uh, I'm Christopher Gray. Welcome to the Great American Witch on Happy Jacks. Thank you for joining us at 746. Let's uh, go around the table and introduce everybody who you know already. Hi, I'm Jim, and I don't know what I'll be playing, but I'm excited to do it. I don't know who's next, so I'm you just going to talk. You're next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Emily, uh, and uh, I don't know what I'm playing either, but I assume a witch. <laughs> and Joe, is this your first time with us? Is it? Have you? The, I I was on a one shot for demigods on this channel hosted by our gracious savior uh, Jason Mills. So some of you might know me from that. If not, I'm Joe. I am super stoked to be part of this cast and uh, to be creating this story with you all. No idea what I'm going to be playing, but super excited to get into it. Hey guys, I guess that leaves me. I'm Mac, and I will be playing a witch, also in the game. Yay. <laughs> We're not being vague on purpose, but we are. It's because we don't know yet what's going to happen. Tonight is session zero, uh, and when we play this game, it's all about figuring out who we are, why we're together, and what we want to do. So we're going to figure all that out tonight. The Great American Witch is a narrative-driven role-playing game based upon the Great American Novel Framework. So you're going to see um, a lot of character interaction and drama, uh, and you're going to see a lot of great storytelling. And yes, we're going to be playing witches. This game takes place uh, in the modern day, and there are witches that are uh, secretly at war, uh, if you want to call it war, but they're definitely in a struggle against the supernatural, against secret societies, um, against uh, the mundane and all kinds of things. So we are uh, going to be playing witches in a coven that are protecting themselves and their community against all of these threats. The, um, the lore goes all the way back and we'll get into some of that as we, uh, as we move forward. But tonight um, our goal is to come together and decide what coven we want to play in. And we do that even before we determine our characters because the coven is the most important part of your character's life. And so you are all together protecting each other and, um, and, 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 and using your magic and synergy with one another. So we do the coven first, and then we're going to figure out what your character is. And in this game, your witch is uh, somebody that practices a particular craft, and those crafts are based upon goddess traditions. And we'll go into all of that. So that's what we're in for tonight. Yay. I think um, 
we'll start. I think I should give you a little bit of a rundown of what witches are in this world and sort of where they came from and what they are today. There's, um, there is some lore behind it. It'll help you conceptualize maybe what you want characters to be. Witches um, have been in human history since the beginning of time. Uh, but they weren't really organized into sort of a, a, a witchcraft practice until uh, Europe, the Middle Ages. And many of those witches, as you well known, didn't survive. So um, there was a lot of zealotry that uh, that took place. A lot of these um, uh, uh, women and men, and I should add, uh, not only men, but uh, non-binary witches aren't gendered. They have a connection with the triple goddess. That's where they get their power, and they're definitely uh, uh, they use feminine energy, but that does not mean that they have to be women. So you'll see uh, all genders, and the witches in Europe were sort of driven out of Europe into the United Kingdom because it was safer for them with the Anglican Church. You did have the Protestants, uh, the zealots up there as well, um, particularly the Puritans, but. With the Anglicans, things were a little easier for them, and they stayed there all the way until the English Civil War when they couldn't uh, take it anymore because everything was falling apart. That's when they went to the New World with the Puritans. And I always think that's kind of an exciting idea that they were incognito, you know, with with these uh, uh, witch burners as they made it to the New World. But they did that because there was this whole continent that they could make this new life in. You know, they were safer because they could make their own world. That's what that's what drove them. But uh, things went a little haywire in 1692. And <laughs> that's what started the diaspora and the witches sort of left New England and kind of ended up settling in New Orleans. And that's where the center of power has been for modern witchcraft ever since. Um, there are non-European traditions in witchcraft, and many of them were uh, adapted or shared throughout the ages. You'll find uh, Native American witchcraft coming back from uh, all of the many different uh, uh, cultures that were practicing magic and medicine in their own individual ways. Uh, some of those crafts were uh, shared with with witches and they took and adopted some of that. And um, you'll also see things coming from the old world all the way back to ancient Greece, ancient Egypt. You'll see some more modern things coming out of some of the hoodoo voodoo pr- practices that came out of West Africa. So it's uh, witches are just as diverse as America. So we're going to be uh, playing in that world. There are, um, like World of Darkness, a lot of things happening. Um, there are vampires. There are, they definitely, a lot of that. Um, and, and there's a lot of supernatural activity. So, uh, so you can expect um, some exciting times. Well, that's anyway, that's the world we're in. Um, I would like to talk real quickly before we get started about the themes of this game. Um, we're going to work on our own themes together uh, for our particular campaign. but there are some overriding themes that are always true in the great American witch. The first one is that uh, witches are um, at war. It's not safe for them. Um, They are in a constant battle with people that are trying to destroy them and their way of life. That doesn't mean that they are powerless. Quite the contrary. You'll find that witches are probably the most powerful people in history, but there are a lot of forces against them. So witches aren't safe. That's why they have covens. Um, the second theme we're going to find is sort of like the, uh, which I already alluded to is a sort of empowering theme where, uh, you know, witches are choosing to be secret and, um, they're choosing to do so because it's best for them. And they are working tirelessly to try to bring balance to this country. 
and to try to bring spiritual balance between the patriarchy and the feminine powers in play. So uh, they're a very activist group of people. They're not passive and hiding. They're out there making change and they're doing it in their own way. Some covens might make change by destroying everything in their path to make it happen. Other covens might be making change by making their neighborhoods safer, you know, and it just depends on the witch. There is no organized government around witchcraft. There are um, a group of witches called the Seven Sisters, and they are in New Orleans, and they're sort of mediators. It's a lot like the mafia where you're like, you know, they'll do favors if you need them, uh, need them to, but they're not going to tell you what to do unless you step on something else. So uh, they have sanctioned crafts that you are, um, that are protected by them. So if you're practicing one of the seven sanctioned crafts, you, um, you get their protection to help you out. If you're not, you're a broken circle, witch, and you're not getting their help, do what you're going to do, but you're not sanctioned. So you're out. Uh, but yeah, so those are the major themes we're dealing with. Um, I would like to talk real briefly also about what this game is not. Um, I think when we deal with witches in general, uh, certainly historically, but also in mythology, um, it is really about the persecution of them. And these witches are threatened. Yes, but they're not persecuted. They have their own power and they're choosing to use it in which way, whatever way that they need to. Um, so we're not going to be playing the subjugation of people. That's not what this game's about. This game is also not anti-man. It's pro-feminine, but it's not anti-man. You can be a male witch. Uh, you can have masculinity. Uh, we're not trying to go after that. This, uh, this game also isn't anti-religious. I mean, we'll get up to a lot of themes around religion. Certainly there are people that are religious that are enemies of witchcraft, but this is an anti-religious. In fact, many witches are very religious. You'll find that there's an entire craft that's devoted to a particular religion. There might be covens that are all practicing the same religion. Like if you play a divine coven, you might be like a whole coven of nuns. Totally possible in this game. You might be atheist. You might believe in the triple goddess as a source of energy, a source of your power, but you don't actually believe in a literal tri triple goddess. So uh, there's a whole spectrum, just like there are spectrum of Americans. So that's, that's what we're up against. So those are the primary themes. That's what you're getting into, but we need to discuss now what else you want in this game. There's a lot we can do here. Typically, if I were at a table, what I would do is ask you to write down a few ideas and then we would sort of go around the table and vote for them. But let's just open it up and tell me what you think. I mean, when you signed up or you agreed, I guess you didn't sign up. This isn't a con. But when you <laughs> agree to do this game, what did you have in mind? What visuals do you? Because we have America, the you know American Horror Story Coven. We have Bewitched and everything in between. <laughs> and there's Chula, uh, there's True Blood. There's all kinds of uh, media out there. So if there's a media you can point to, is like that's the experience I'm after. Maybe we can start there. Who wants to take it? Jim? I was thinking Sleepy Hollow. Um, Ooh. Yeah, uh, because I really liked the fact that there was definitely a antagonist that was a witch, but it was very clear that she was misusing her powers to do what she was doing. Um, and the fact that there was that uh, they had to sort of practice in the underground, but the power was still very potent and uh, sort of ignoring the fact that these magics and these things lived in the background was sort of the doom of Sleepy Hollow. Um and I, that's sort of like that's that's the image that just evoked in my brain when I when I thought about it. 
Yeah, I like keeping it in that kind of gothic vein, that like traditionally gothic vein, I think would be really fun. And by the way, this is a time to brainstorm. So what I'm going to do is write down what you are saying, and we're going to get to just kind of choose what we like the best as, as a group. So uh, yeah, keep throwing out any thoughts you might have. We have Gothic, we have Sleepy Hollow. Um, I, I have been thinking a lot about aesthetic and Sleepy Hollow is a good way to describe it, but I'm not a fan of this show, but I think the uh, Sabrina show on Netflix, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, has a really cool look, sort of that small town America gone wrong thing. I dig that. That's rad. Yeah, I would. I would also plus one to. I think. I think the the reboot was the thrilling or the chilling adventures of Sabrina mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah, I really dig the aesthetic um, and just kind of its approach to the witchcraft. It's grim. It's gritty, but it's it's kind of got like a modern take on it as well. Uh, and it's very small, sleepy town. Um, which I, I think is really fun. So I think that's also the same palette that I was looking at. It's also like one of the themes I like on that show is um, people who've been raised in a particular religious tradition questioning it on that show. It's Satanism. Uh, and we, you know, don't, but like, I like that idea of like being part of something that you're starting to actively question. And I think that goes well with a lot of stories in this vein. Mm-hmm. Could be a very religious town that we're all from, and we're used to the traditions of that, and trying to figure out how that works within our our balance is very interesting. Yeah, I I, I tend to be drawn to characters that that have a lot of uh, that long dark night of the soul kind of that moment of questioning everything, having to reevaluate a lot of core beliefs and principles. So that, that might be a really fun theme for me, I, also, I think. Yeah. I also like those themes of somebody exploring power, somebody being uh, introduced to power and then seeing how they uh, come to use it, um, you know, for, for good or ill uh, or you know, it's one of those things where I think power is a temptation as well as uh, as a resource and tool. And uh, I, I like that kind of theme too. Have you, um, if you've seen that movie, The Witch, uh, that came out a few years back, um, I love that sort of being out in the middle of the woods, um, New Englandy type vibe. Um, you know, the the feeling of um, nothing being around and um, sort of desolation is uh is a cool one to me mm-hmm. yeah kind of like your background there <laughs> <laughs> i'm gesturing but you can't tell i'm gesturing <laughs> yeah uh which with two v's scared the hell out of me that oh, would yeah. be so good would sound like to live deliciously <laughs> i'm hearing small town uh rural desolate gothic um mm-hmm. The exploration of power, the subversion of beliefs. Uh, so, if if this is a coven in a small town, those are all things you're going to have to deal with. Um. So, are you thinking New England, or are you thinking, um, you um, know, Arizona? I love 
New England. Um, but I also, I mean, I grew up in the extreme rural Midwest. That's um, a fun setting to me. Um, I always like to force people to uh, hang out in my interests. Um, but no, I love, like, I love small town, Minnesota, small town, Montana, kind of that region of the country where things are still just a little bit behind. You know, they still kind of have dial up internet, that sort of thing. Yeah, I was thinking Appalachian area. Mm-hmm. But there's also the, you know, there's New Orleans area, the whole Louisiana, True Blood, rural, on the way to Baton Rouge. And the cross-cultural mix there is always really fun to play with because there's so much culture concentrated there. Mm-hmm. Too many good ideas. We might have to take a vote. Do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, witches on a space station. <laughs> Tomes, who invited you? <laughs> witches in space. <laughs> we could we could swing historical if you wanted. I mean, it's always an option. The default setting is modern day. I like modern day still, but someplace that feels very, like Emily was saying, kind of a little behind. I kind of like the idea that it's almost like Tales from the Loop, right? You get a very strong 80s vibe, but it is modern day. Um, so I like that that kind of anachronistic feel of it is modern day, but maybe there is some Victorian or there are some remnant or some elements of that that kind of seep through. Mm. Have you all ever been to... Um eureka california um that is a great it's an old blogging town and they have like great gothic mansions everywhere that like nobody's living in now because the blogging industry has largely shut down there so it's just like uh all of these giant houses full of like uh um people who are are addicted to meth basically um and are crashing there and it's like a, a it's like it is kind of another setting that sort of is hitting the vibe we're looking for. So I would add it to the list at least. That would be really interesting. I think, especially like a place that had an industry that was really strong, that isn't strong any longer. Well, we could see that back in the Midwest with Detroit and steel and um, all the other. Yeah. Industries yeah I was thinking that Detroit would be a great area for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With the rust belt. Or Erie, Indiana would be great too. That place is also, and the name just fits. all right let's start taking votes and you can vote as often as you want and if you vote for everything and everybody votes for everything maybe we'll take away those privileges we have um uh i think we're already decided it's going to be rural probably uh Mm -hmm. so let's say uh new england all right what about uh uh, California, the logging world. Um, Midwest, Indiana or Detroit? You like everything. I'm oh, trying uh, not to. <laughs> uh, uh, Louisiana, Appalachia. Yeah, I always vote for that. Okay, so it sounds like we're we're thinking either Midwest or rural California. 
Um, I, for one, would like to explore Midwest a bit. Okay. If I had to be a tiebreaker, because um, I, I think it's because of what Joe was saying with Tales from the Loop. Like, that's sort of in my head now, because the, the, Net, the Netflix show is in Ohio, and it's bringing me back to when I grew up in Colorado, and I could definitely play with some of those tropes, although Colorado a little different. Um, but yeah, I think that'd be cool, because we have winters, and I can, I can imagine some badass witches walking through snow. I'm always after that visual. <laughs> What's the slow motion shot of the witches, you know, going on their mission? All right. So are we cool with the Midwest? Sure. Yeah. I, I um, have been to Chicago, Detroit, Indianapolis. Um, I'd have to wing it really if it were Indiana. But I guess it doesn't matter too much. We can kind of make it our own. Mm-hmm. Any yeah. preferences? I wonder if we should almost invent a town so mm. we have a little space I'm just saying, yeah yeah to yeah. play with and then we can be like oh it's close to chicago it's close to detroit you know we can we yeah. can pull the springfield you know where yeah. it's up to them to guess where it is. <laughs> or we could take erie and put it in michigan or erie erie illinois i'm certain there's more than one erie <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i'm totally down for letting like what themes we're interested in inform where we play i mean, and not get too hung up on a geography yet. All it right. becomes important to the story. We can add detail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And prior, I, I've just finished a campaign of this game and um, it, it, location is extremely important to almost everything about the witches. And so I think it's good that we narrow that in first because um, it really does define everything that they do. Mm-hmm. Um Gothic is going to be easy, especially if we believe that Erie or whatever we call it hasn't progressed since like 1995. Like there's a city in Colorado, Colorado Springs is like this, which where I grew up in Denver. So um, I know a lot about Colorado Springs where it never stopped like 1960. It just didn't stop. So all of the buildings, all of the cars, I mean, it does, it does feel like you're going to another world. So when an industry collapses and it's largely like, um, uh, what was the, uh, oh, uh, Gary, Indiana is like that too. Like it never aged. It stopped and the Jackson five left. And so I could see playing Gothic in that way, especially if we have an industry crash mm-hmm. um, and grim and gritty. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Almost mid-century Gothic. Yeah. Aesthetic. Yeah. All right, now we're going to look at themes that we do not want in this game. Um, we can do a traditional lines and veils. Uh, if there's some things that you don't want to be public about, then please, you know, slack them to me or email me just so that I make sure that the group does not include these things. But this is where we can talk openly about what we do not want. Um, uh, not only in, you know, things that I don't want included in the game because they might be upsetting to me, um, but also I don't want things included in the game because I don't want that tone. Um, like for example, um, I, 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 I personally would not want this to be a silly game. I, um, I think that the intent of the design, since I'm the designer, I can say this, the intent of the design is to really take this seriously. And, uh, you know, if witches were real, this is what they would be. If they were extremely powerful, this is what it would be like. And if we could, uh, subvert the patriarchy, this is how it would go. So I'd like to take those themes seriously. That would be something I'd want to not include. 
Uh, but there was anything like that. I'm, pre- I'm a horror guy, so I don't really have a lot of lines. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, um, I have a line against sexual violence, um, you know, but uh, overt animal abuse. So there are things like that that I probably will avoid. But are there anything, uh, are there any things that you don't want because of content or are there any tones you would like to exclude? I just want to agree with you on the fact that I, I don't want to make this a silly game. I think that that goes against the tone of everything that I've read. Um, but I, I, I don't know if I really want it to be too horror centric. I, I, I think what I want to do is I want to explore, explore more of the social themes about this game. Uh, and that's sort of what interests me about it. That sounds good to me. Now, some horror elements, but not a horror movie. Exactly. You're right. Yeah, because definitely want to have some horror elements in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Any other any other things you would like to exclude or tones you would like to avoid? Um, I think for me, it's 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 the default that I think a lot of us will already have, which is. Um, Hardline against sexual violence, uh, violence towards children. Um, beyond that, I'm pretty flexible. I, I don't have any hard lines at the moment, but I, I like the idea of if something does come out during play that we're starting to feel uncomfortable with that, we just have that discussion. Yeah, and the quick way to do that is we'll use the X card. I always have an yeah. X card on my table since we're virtual, just X. Or do this, you know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um I like this one one game where I'm in where we do like, you know, a red marker or a green marker, more, stop, you know, any kind of signal like that. And we'll just stop it, erase it, move on. Okay. All right, cool. Um, X card, getting started. Okay, good. We're all set up here. So um, now I think we get into the fun part. Wait, we weren't having fun already? Okay. We're going to have fun to another now. fun part. <laughs> My favorite Begin part. Begin now. Fun. <laughs> My favorite part of every game is talking about safety mechanics, and it's over too quick. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we need more of it, frankly. This game is going to touch on things that might be uncomfortable, and I'm okay with being uncomfortable a bit. Um, I'm not okay with crossing lines, though. All right. Let's talk about covens. Um, I wish I could share a screen so I could show this beautiful artwork that's in this book about that demonstrate the covens, but you'll just have to visualize with your mind's eye. Um, the first coven I'm going to talk about is these are types of covens. Now covens are not hard and fast necessarily in what kind of coven you are. Really what this is, is to show us what kind of game you want to play because these covens are going to inform a particular play style. And you'll see what I mean as we get into it. Um, but they are there are categories of covens. Um, the first one I want to talk about, I want to bring up because it, it's sort of an exception of the rest of witchcraft. There's sort of a, an idea of organized witchcraft, which are you know groups of covens throughout the country that sort of get along and play by the same sort of rules. And if something gets out of hand, they can go to the seven sisters. The seven sisters sit down. They have a sit down, you know, <laughs> figure out what happens. They adjudicate and move on. Um, but to be a part of that club, you have to practice one of the sanctioned crafts. And we'll get into what those are. But uh, covens of the broken circle are covens that do not care about the sanctioned crafts. So you can practice whatever you want in this coven. 
that means that they're outside the norm of witchcraft. That means that you really can't get any help from the seven sisters if they're in trouble. It also means they're the first ones that are picked on when something goes wrong by other witches. So um, it's sort of a politically difficult one. There's um, a coven of the craft. These are covens that uh, all practice the same craft. Since this is a story-driven game, there's no role creep. You can all play the same craft if you want to. Coven of the Divine. These are the ones I have referred to earlier that all um, try to tie witchcraft into an actual organized religion. And then they practice witchcraft through their faith. Uh, Coven of the Hearth. These are witches that um, take in exiles or people that have no other way place to go. So these are sort of like the, uh, the bottom dregs of witchcraft society would be in a hearth coven. Um, the inverted covens. <laughs> well, if you like a Sabbat game, these are witches that uh, believe that since they are the most powerful in the world, that they should use that power and, you know, do whatever they want. So they're very chaotic. Usually, uh, they are upsetting the norm so much that they fall into conflict with other witches. Uh, we have the mission. These are witch, witches that are sort of uh, in a place of trouble doing good work. So they might be, uh, you know, like they might be in Appalachia because they're trying to fix the poverty or they might be like, uh, like in today's world, they would probably be out um, uh, supplying hospitals with supplies for COVID, right? They're all, they're all doing work to help society uh, coming at the Oracle. These are witches that are um, basically advisors to powerful witches and governments. So they kind of see what's going on. They're the ones that are going, uh, you know, into the white house for a secret meeting, or they might be going to the seven sisters to tell them that some big war is coming or something. So they're, they're, they're pretty prominent uh, uh, social hierarchy people. Covenant of the Storm are the ones that think we are doing too little to unseat the patriarchy and so are doing so at all costs or no cost. Well, doing so at any cost. Uh, they're the IRA of witches, basically. Uh, Covenant of the Sleepers are uh, covens devoted to educating new witches. Uh, the town, uh, they are devoted to protecting their town or their city or their community. Coven of the Veil are ones that are uh, really on the border of the supernatural and the mundane. So they are either protecting the mundane from the supernatural or dealing with something that the mundane did to the supernatural. And they're sort of on that border of kind of keeping the fences up. Um, and Coven of the Whispers are, uh, which is integrated into the U.S. industrial military complex. And they are like basically witch spies and assassins. Those are the covens. Um, so there's a lot to choose from. And fortunately, I gave you the book ahead of time, so you're able to look at them. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what, you know, what do you think? And I open it up to you. And if you have any questions. Um, I mean, I like, I, I'm kind of two minds of it. I really like the hearth idea, especially because we're in sort of that small town and pulling in sort of the dregs and the, the people that... Um, don't have somewhere else to go. But I also like the idea because we're playing something that's so gothic, but of the veil as well, it would be interesting where it's, you know, this small town is under their protection because it's particularly uh, susceptible to the supernatural or something. I'm, I'm strongly pro hearth. Um, that's the one that really spoke to me, but I also do like the, um, 
the IRA once. The, uh, <laughs> I think there's an argument for, you know, being radicalized by being in this town that's sort of crumpling. I think that the area that we chose being the Midwest, those are hub areas in a lot of ways where a lot of people move in and out. There's a lot of information that moves in and out. I like the Oracle um, because it's sort of like a mystery solving sort of thing. And I think that we could come up with a lot of really good juicy things to do that cover a lot of themes. I also like the town uh, because that would make us build the town and create a lot of cool NPCs and sort of focus in sort of centrally on our story and maybe not have a lot of the outside world affect it and be sort of like self-contained in it. And I, I also like the veil just because, you know, who doesn't like witches and fairies and werewolves and vampires and stuff running around. That's, that's just fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I like the idea of the veil being kind of always in the background, but maybe not the main theme. Um, I did like the hearth or the sleepers. Um, I like the idea of, you know, protecting the weak or giving people that have nothing or nowhere to go uh, or in some way protecting the disenfranchised either from the father God and its agents or from the supernatural. Um, Something about that really speaks to me, but also the sleepers. I think it's fun if, we had like a small town version of Hogwarts where we have to train the next generation of witches <laughs> and we're in this very conservative, small <laughs> remnant town. Um, but those would be my, my two mains would be yeah, hard training witches out the Y. It sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. There is, there is some, there is something fun about the idea of like this, this old school on the edge of town that nobody quite knows what it is. And like, it's us. Uh, Joe dropped the Father God. That, uh, I don't think I mentioned that. That is basically the term that witches use to describe all the masculine forces that are throwing the world out of balance and uh, is the one that's sort of in a uh, cosmological war with the triple goddess. So agents of the Father God might be conscious Illuminati agents seeking to destroy witchcraft, or they might be just some guy that doesn't know any better, but is you know unwittingly an agent of the Father God. So I'm hearing a lot of good ideas. I'm not sure how to triangulate. Hearth, sleepers, veil. I like sleepers as well. Um, but like hearth and sleepers, I think, are kind of coming to the forefront for me now. I One of the reasons I really liked hearth is um, it reminded me of the, uh, the shakers, which are this old tradition in the Midwest uh, not just in the Midwest, but that's where they started and that's where they still are. And they're basically uh, people who took in anybody who needed a home. And like, I've always liked that idea. And I think combining it with the, the supernatural could be cool. I'll read you a little bit more of the, uh, of both of them. So we can kind of uh, focus in covens of the hearth. Welcome all witches who practice under the seven sisters. So they don't do broken circle. Um, but they are actively focused on bringing witches in who have nowhere else to go. So um, it could be a wayward home that would include, it touches on the sleepers thing, where it's maybe not just witches, but witches that have nowhere else to go. So they might've been abandoned or exiled or, pers- you know, who knows what happened. Their, their families threw them out. Um, maybe they lost their family. And and so they're, they're sort of like, you know, at needs witches, <laughs> which makes it a little more challenging. Um 
Sleepers. That was the other one. Sleepers is farther along. Oh, here we go. Witches that have uh, natural power, but that don't know about witchcraft. So this is like, you know, a wizard, Harry, kind of um, dedicated to finding and educating young witches to guiding their craft. I think the big difference would be, um, are they uh, witches that just are learning who they are or are they witches that are finding who they are? You know, are they the ones that need help or the ones that are the next generation? If I had to pick one, I would go hearth, but. Uh, Between those two, I would totally go hearth. I think hearth is my vote as well. Yeah, I think, I think hearth encapsulates the field best. All right. We're in agreement. And don't worry, we'll still have Vale, we'll still have Faye, we'll still have whatever. We yeah, but it's always fun to look at things from the as a, from an outsider's point of view, and this is a very outsider coven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there is uh, an oath that you must take to join this hearth, uh, hearth coven. And we had to decide what that oath means. I mean, basically, what this means is that this is a deal breaker. If you if you break this oath, you're out. Um, and the oaths for this coven, and we don't, we're not limited to this list, but, uh, they are to seek out persecuted witches and bring them to safety at all costs to be a sanctuary for any witch that needs one. I mean, there's a little different, but they're similar, um, to rescue witches that are trapped in a mundane world. So this might be a little different because now you're talking about, oh, they don't know they're a witch and they're trapped in this life. Um, at the car st- or the gas station, you know, trying to make ends meet. Uh, I'm, I'm, he- I'm hearing that. I already think I know what this oath is. Like I'm already hearing what you're going for, but I'll go ahead and read this one. To work relentlessly within witchcraft to provide widespread protection for witches. I don't think that one really applies. And to create sanctuaries throughout witchcraft uh, where any witch can go and find protection. So the last two are more like, you know, you're probably too big for what you're after. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but from what I'm hearing, it sounds like to be a sanctuary for any witch that needs one pretty much hits it on the nose, but let me know what you think. I'd agree with that. I think so. Yeah. So if you were to refuse a witch that needed help, you'd be violating your oath and you'd be kicked out of the coven. That's what that would mean. Yeah, I like that. I like that one and the third one kind of because it I think that was the element from the sleepers that I liked. It was the idea of like helping witches that maybe don't even know they're witches or um you know providing guidance um to the lost. Um well, what we can do is add that as a theme. Yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. I'd be down for that if if that's fun for anyone else. But yeah. I definitely, I, I do really like the, like the main being it's a sanctuary for any witch. Like we're like, we're like the last embassy, <laughs> right. For, for witches that have nowhere else to go. Yeah. And with that, Oh, there was sort of, um, uh, it, it would, it would mean that you would take in broken circle, witches even, even though that's not what your coven's based on. So you could potentially take in dangerous witches or inverted that could be fun. Could be. <clears throat> Just ideas. 
All right, the hearth. I heard um, the hearth is where you operate. This is your home. Um, doesn't necessarily need to be where you live, although often it is, but it's where you congregate for your source of power. Um, I've already heard kind of dilapidated schoolhouse, which is a cool idea. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of us running sort of a halfway home. Um, so, we're, we're, and I, in the Midwest, uh, especially in areas that are particularly depressed, there's a huge drug abuse problem. And uh, I think that maybe we could commingle both of those things as uh, aid givers and sort of keep things under the radar that way and also be able to run our, our coven the way we want. Are we good with halfway home? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, cool. I like the idea of it being for people who are troubled. Um, personally, I'd like it to not veer too much into like the drug crisis just because of um, some personal stuff in my family. So that's a little. Oh, totally fair. I was just throwing that as an me. example. Totally. I just, uh, while we were talking about it. Yeah. Oh, cool. the drug and veil. Is that okay? Yeah. Or do you want a line there? Uh, I think veil is fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to completely ignore it. I think it's an interesting way to go. I just don't want to go mm, too. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Witches have uh, a a sabbat, which is their holy day, and they have a an atonement day. Now they also a coven will have them too. Uh, so your coven's sabbat is typically on uh, the autumnal equinox, and their atonement is typically on the summer solstice. That's how hearth traditionally uh, sets it up, but it doesn't have to be that way. If it makes more sense, since you're in the Midwest that your atonement's more like on a Christian holiday or something, you know, we can mix that up. Uh, Let's see. Um, The coven can also practice uh, coven magic where everybody gets together and does the magic. And so it's some really powerful magic usually. In the case of sanctuary, uh, in the case of hearth, you have sanctuary. And that means that you can, um, no, see, it's been a while since I've read this. Uh, you have basically these long-term effects. Like you can protect somebody from being hurt over a long period of time, you know, uh, things like that. So um, this, this magic is uh, based and we're going to get into some of the rules here, but you basically have um, uh, magic for mercy, wisdom, and severity. And those are your stats. So um, basically what happens when a coven gets together and does magic, everybody rolls and we see what happens. So you have that. Um, you also have connections and resources. So you could choose um, anything on this list, or you can come up with your own. Some resources would be maybe you are you're uh, part of a nonprofit or a religious organization. You can use their resources, and they know who you are and trust you. That might be one. Um, maybe you have access to the local law enforcement, and you can see their database because you work with them to get people off the streets. You might have a cache of food and medical supplies. Um, you might be less licensed medical professionals. So those are the kinds of things that you'll need to decide. What What is your primary resource that you can call upon without question? Hmm. You have a facility, so that that's one thing. Um. I mean, maybe we've got good um, connections with, like, the local um, 
you know, like authorities or something. They know kind of to send people our way and we're, we've got them as uh, a positive resource. Yeah. So like the local law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I was going to suggest something similar. Like I like the idea of us having good relationships with like you know, the street level enforcement. Um, maybe there's this idea or this understanding that maybe not everybody should be processed into the system and that maybe there's better ways to take care of people. And we facilitate that. And I think there, there could be some kind of understanding with us and uh, like the ground level people, the enforcement, but maybe, maybe people higher up don't like that because they want people in the system being processed. Now, do you think this town is big enough for a police department or are these, is this County dealing with like the, the sheriff and deputies? I'm thinking it's pretty small. Yeah, and if it's too small, there probably wouldn't be a lot of officers. Um, I wonder if it's almost something like we have um, a lot of connections um, within, I guess. um, I was thinking about, like, what if somehow, like, the mayor or somebody in the city council was, like... uh, in our network, like what if we had a select number of powerful people throughout the town who were on our side, but like most powerful people aren't, but like, you know, the high school principal, the, the city council member for ward five or whatever, like what if they're like, what if we have a loose network of people throughout town who sort of funnel those who are in need to us? I like that. That works yeah. for me as well. I, um, I like the idea of us not being like, n- so often that's such an antagonistic connection in a lot of storytelling. I like the idea of it being less antagonistic. Yeah, that's great. I know a lot about uh, small town civics too. This will be fun. (laughs) All right. Uh, So is your coven pretty well off or are you scraping by or somewhere in between? Like I have to assume that you're all doing this full time. The Southway House isn't like uh, yeah, can, this is your job, probably. Mm-hmm. Can I suggest that our fortunes have mirrored the towns, and we have fallen on hard times? We still have, we still have reserves, but we're forced to call on them more and more often. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Cool. You guys are making this easy. <laughs> um, and you. You get your money probably through the city, I would assume, um, and through fundraisers, maybe. Big sales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that the city has a budget line item for you, uh, but it's probably not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That would explain why you have good relations with the city, too, because you are a budget item. Um, all right. What about your coven and organized witchcraft um are you uh involved at all with seven sisters and some of the bigger covens or are you just on your own doing your thing Mm, that's a really good question 
Can I ask a question about the lore? Yes, please. Uh, so there are like other covens of the hearth, like like there's like uh, coven of the hearth Chicago. Like there are more established, powerful ones. Yeah, um, I would assume there were. I mean, uh, there and covens range from just a couple of people to you know maybe many hundreds or thousands. So there could be like a neighboring coven of the hearth that has like an entire complex. Mm. I mean, I don't mind the idea that we sort of operate autonomously at this point and, you know, we're not like an unknown quantity, but it's, it's not, it's not anything major. You don't really play on that level. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, do you, it's one thing to say, okay, I'm not really, you know, the, the seven sisters and that whole group can do what they do. Um, it's entirely another to say, I really don't like what they do. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get away from organized witchcraft. Are you, or do you think you have an adversarial point of view on, on, on that? Or are you just fine to let them be who they are? I don't see how their politics would really be contrary to our goals. Yeah. You might not have the patience for it, you know, like you guys really don't know what we're dealing with here, but okay. Well, I, I feel like, of... oh, go ahead. No, please go. Oh, just uh, we're, we're so busy trying to scrape by and do right by the people around us and by other witches that we're bringing in uh, to this coven that the bigger politics are just less important right now. Yeah. I also kind of, I also kind of like the idea, and I think it would suggest conflict if, like, in the past, like a hundred years ago, the coven was so much more better established that it kind of bought itself a lot of autonomy, a lot of fame, a lot of renown, and that has gradually weaned away. But we've just gotten used to not nobody caring what we're doing, um, and that could be an interesting um, space to explore. Mm-hmm. All right. I think I've already answered this one. Um, I think we're Monday. The mundane world is the mundane world is pretty important to you. Obviously. Um, we kind of dealt with your influence. Okay. I think we're good on, on your coven. That's a really interesting story. So, you know, the coven does tell us the kind of game we're going to have. And uh, I think it's going to be really cool. I really like the idea of this being a much bigger thing at a time in the past and, and having it been shrunk down. Cause I like the idea of in this halfway house where there are like pictures of all these groups of, of, of people standing together, like, you know, and taking photographs and going, Oh, that's when we had 80 members and it was all kinds of crazy. Awesome. But you know, we're here now. <laughs> the portraits uh, and the photos down the hallway show the shrinking number. Exactly. <laughs> Well, it could have been, it depends on where you want to go with this, but it could have been part of the, you know, the auto boom. And in the 50s, 60s, even 70s, it was huge. And then everything collapsed. Um, it's also steel and there's agriculture. You know, there's a lot of things you could use, I guess, depending on where you wanted to go. Basically anywhere in the Midwest has experienced this. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, now we get to determine who you are. Exciting. I'll go through the crafts. Um, which is craft is um, a path that they follow 
And it's sort of a general way that they access the power of the triple goddess. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, a certain culture or background or um, even belief system. Um, you might not be Catholic at all, but you follow the craft of Mary because you, you just you just jive with it. The energy works for you. Um, and and likewise, you might not be um, of of like uh, a, you know an indigenous background, but you might practice a spider grandmother because you just connect with that kind of energy. So. Uh, these are all based in some sort of goddess tradition. Uh, so I'll just go through them real quick. Uh, the Aje is actually from uh, Yoruba and it came over with the slave trade. And that was uh, part of the hoodoo voodoo rise in the Southeast and um, was brought into organized witchcraft um, relatively late. Actually the, um, the, 1692 was the Salem witch trials and 1792 was the first witch convention on the centennial of the Salem witch trial. That's when the seven sisters were formed and that they did that in new Orleans. And then there was another one in 1892. So a lot of the sanctioned crafts came in in 1892 and that with that convention. Um, fun facts, the broken circle, which uh, this is the, witch, uh, which technically you could be at the, in this coven, if you were discreet about it. This is a witch that does not practice a, a sanctioned craft. It could be anything. It could be, I mean, some of the examples in here, you could have the craft of Rhiannon. You could have the craft of Kali. You could have the craft of Stevie Nicks. I'm sure Bruce Springsteen has a craft. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever works. Um, the hag. This comes from uh, Celtic tradition, Celtic Druidic tradition. Uh, that goes all the way back. Uh, that is really connected with the Fae and the Veil. Um, Hecate comes back from ancient Greek and Rome traditions. This is sort of the goddess of the crossroads. So very much dealing with death magic and spirits and ghosts and getting people home. Um, Lilith, crowd favorite. <laughs> this is the, uh, the uh, first wife of Adam who refused him um, and went on to create vampires later. And, and uh, so this is a blood magic, very primal, very old, old school um, which the uh, oh fun fact about Lilith <laughs> they they created vampires because they were trying to curse people in the worst way possible which is to make them have an insatiable hunger uh, make them immortal and bury them some of them came out and now we have a vampire problem okay spider grand oh I missed I skipped one uh, Mary and Isis which is actually the same tradition depending on which uh, road you take you could go uh, Mary Catholic uh, and, and that way, or you could go Isis in ancient Egypt. Um, really is an aesthetic difference, but the craft is the same. And this is very healing, nurturing, uh, protective. Spider grandmother, very, very much in tune with uh, nature and the wilderness. This comes from Hopi traditions. The, um, the, the Native American story in the witchcraft is really an interesting one to me because I um, did a lot of research on it and worked with Adam West, who helped me out with this. Uh, but the the idea here is that um, there was so much sharing back in the 1600s between Europeans and the indigenous people that by the time they needed a craft, uh, they really just had to pull something out of one culture. And the Hopi uh, was chosen because all of the uh, Southwestern tribes came together in 1892 and said, uh, yes, you can practice this. We'll tell you how. Tara, another crowd favorite. This is from the, uh, uh, the goddess Tara. 
from Tibetan Buddhist tradition. Tara is all about balance and keeping everything um, level and good, but Tara also can be extremely evil in doing that and extremely good depending on where the balance needs to be. Tara takes on all kinds of forms. Those are the crafts. Any questions? I feel like I've been doing a lot of talking. <laughs> That's okay, though. Um, well, I already know mine because I was already uh, wanting to explore it further after the one shot that we did. And so I want to go back and do Craft of Lilith again. Yay. <laughs> there is, you can have more than one Lilith if somebody wants that craft. That doesn't mean you can't play the Lilith just means it's going to be a very interesting game if you do. <laughs> I felt pretty drawn to the spider grandmother. Um, not so much the nature element, but you know the philosophy of outgrow your enemies. Um, evolve yourself and, and do better. Um, so I think that's going to be a really interesting element to play in terms of what my role might be in the coven or with the people that we're bringing in. Um, maybe I'm some kind of advisor role. Um, but I also like that, um, you know, the spider grandmother also has this dangerous and very powerful side that comes from a lot of wisdom. Um, so I, uh, if no one objects, I, I think I will put my dibs on spider grandmother. I um I felt pretty drawn to um, Hikate. Hikate? I've yes. heard it many ways. Yeah. Hikate. Uh, Hikate. Hikate. Uh, Hikate. Uh, I just, I like ghosts. Ghosts are rad. So, uh, yeah, I think I, I, I would put my, my pin down on that. It's always good to have a ghost witch in the group. I was thinking Tara. I like the idea of a PR consultant. <laughs> awesome. Tara would be perfect for that. Uh, okay. So we're decided. He, um, trying to see here. We've determined our coven. <laughs> we have, oh, um, there's some more background here. There's there's a there's a sheet in the book that kind of goes into all of the different things you can do to flesh out your background, but we don't have to use that unless we need to. Uh, do you already have a picture of what you're thinking your witch is going to be? I heard uh, PR consultant. That's a pretty good picture. It actually, uh, it, that was like an old idea that was mugging around in my head. But now that we've sort of created the world a little better, I like to be the town attorney. Cut you off, Mac. I'm sorry. What were you saying? Oh, no, it's I, totally I, I, fine. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it's sort of like uh, as a bringer of balance, I like the idea of her uh, either being like, just basically being the, the voice of legal advice and sort of trying to bring balance through the actual system. Huh. Um, I like that the Lilith craft is a little bit more out there. So she maybe is able to connect with some of the people that we're bringing in and trying to help um, through feeling sort of outsidery herself. 
even though this is one of the sanctioned crafts, I feel like, you know, the, the blood magic side of it and the connection to vampires is a little more oogie for some of the other crafts. Is it possible that, is it possible that she went through this system? And this yeah, that's us? very possible, I think. Kind of been there, done that. Yeah. Become sort of a self-made witch and wants to help others uh, find their way forward as well. I have an extremely elaborate idea that I'm not <laughs> going to lay on you all at once because, uh, but I, I, um, um, I want to play a, a, a preacher's kid. Um, not teen now, like mid twenties, but um, who's out, um, who's no longer embraced by her family. But like there's a nearby mega church and she's the daughter of that guy who's on billboards everywhere. A mega church. No way, I changed my idea. Can I have a tiger zoo? <laughs> no. Cool. Ooh. That story's already been told. <laughs> um I'm still kind of workshopping it, but I think the loose idea is um because of the connection to nature, I think in my eyes, the collapse of the auto industry and the collapse of whatever industry that was here was actually a really good thing. Um, it was necessary balancing, but what people need to do now is grow something else in place of that. And that hasn't happened. Um, I think my role in the coven or at the hearth would be, kind of more of a teacher advisor. I'm kind of like the, um, like the career counselor or like, you know, the, the person that kind of checks in and, you know, talks to the people that we're bringing in to make sure that they're growing, that they're evolving, that they're, they're able to make the best of themselves. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm leaning into right now. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Oh, you have your uh, scales? Yeah. <laughs> I've got the um, the Themis statue. I'll have to bring that up for the next session. All right. So um, what do you think about you know, how long have you been in this coven? And are there any other people in this coven? Are you the only people? So we should have established that before characters. But now that I'm thinking about it. I feel like there's probably at least a couple more people in the coven, but probably not many more. Yeah. Like I would, I was going to say 10 to 20 and it's kind of like a rotary club. So it's a bunch of like old people (laughs) (laughs) and then like us, you can all be old people. I don't care. I am not, not old. Uh, So is is there a superior or does it sort of just like, more of a commune. 
mean, some covens are very structured. There's an order, mm-hmm. a hierarchy, but not all of them. I see sort of like uh, one of these sort of like um, turn of the century uh, Victorian suffragette sort of like movements evolved up to this to this state, you know, having started in that sort of thing. So it's it was a very motivated, very active sort of like uh, in your face sort of political group with a lot of people and and sort of that face sort of shifting as time goes. So now it's probably just everybody shows up and talks things out. Like you don't really need a hierarchy. No, it's like, it's like we have a lot of these old traditions that uh, are still in place that come from a bygone time where a lot of these things are when we had like a hundred members and you'd have to have do points of parliamentary procedure, but there's really no reason for it. But we sort of still go through the motions like we were still that. Oh, I see. So you have to all go to the table and use the gavel and follow, <laughs> exactly. follow the rules. McMurray, yeah. yeah. Does that sound cool to everyone? I think it's kind of funny. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think my character's not a fan of it, but I think that it's kind of like a whatever you need to do to make this happen. It's sort of like a union. Like you have to, you know, have to bring the delegates forward. And I just like the idea of it being one of those things where we constantly go through these motions and we all internally go, why the F do we do this? But we just do it because it's just the way it's been done for We could have done this through Zoom. Exactly. <laughs> this could have been an email. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, so, is there anybody that has been in this coven a very long time? Maybe more than uh, everybody else. Well, I sort of see my character having been born in this town. Um, probably went to law school out of town and then came back. But I'm not sure whether she would have joined the coven after she came back from law school or beforehand. So I'm not exactly sure. But on the other end, somebody just joined the coven. I actually like the idea of being relatively new to the coven. That like was a system kid that got caught up in this group and now is finding some better purpose within this and. Uh, you know, is still pretty young, I think. Like, maybe just turned, like, 18, 19 or something. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I'm within, like, three years. Pretty new. Maybe not super new, but pretty new. Um, I want to <laughs> see where, where your relationships are. So the newbies mm. probably are closer. And the older ones are probably closer and there might be a social division between the two, but there might not be. I mean, maybe one of the older ones brought the new ones in, you know, that's sort of what I want to get to now. Yeah. I I like the idea of me being older, but it's hard to distinguish how old. Um, Like I like the idea of maybe there are some of the older photographs that are still on the wall and I'm in them and they're at least several decades back, but it's hard to determine my age. Um, I'm kind of leaning into um, when I was looking at this, the craft of the spider grandmother, like there's this theme of reading the web of fate and kind of knowing how things will play out ahead of time. 
So I like the idea of like, I've kind of been this wise um, advisor that's kind of always been there and was not surprised when the industry fell. But for some reason, I stuck around as if I see something else that's still ahead. Mm. I like that. Can I spitball something at you just real quick there, Jeff? Please do. I love the idea of witches having engineered the fall of the car, the automobile industry, only to discover that it just moved to other other places in the world, and they did absolutely nothing to curb the production of these vehicles. Yeah, that's that's juicy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like maybe I had a hand in that, and uh, we were we were it was a, a, a you know like the fifties and sixties, and we had this idea of like what if we can drive them out and stop the entire industry. I just love the idea of these old militant hippie, these militant hippies back in the day, and then you basically coming from that is just funny to me. Right. <laughs> that was before we understood globalization and how they'll just pack up and move somewhere else. Okay, so you've been there for a while. Did you bring in? Um, well, we don't know which names yet. I think we're going to get to that soon. But did you bring in uh, Mac or Emily's? Character. I'm okay with um, with anyone uh, wanting to pitch in with that. I, sort of, I, I definitely have been there a long time. Yeah, I sort of envisioned Joe's of like character the, bringing me in. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, I kind of like the idea of like, I think I understand you in a way that maybe some of the others don't, like because of the the craft that you practice. Um, yeah. I think like I help you grow into that and accept that and stop being afraid of it so much. Yeah. Maybe. And uh, I think, you know, she probably didn't really understand fully her powers and she probably accidentally made at least one vampire. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oops, now what? <laughs> right. It's this guy yeah, like Carl that. from Cleveland. <laughs> yeah i like right, that cool. i, I kind of like my position in the group as far as recruiting people in because i think i've probably been in it for a while too is my whole thing is what i do is i go in and i seal records of pre-18 peoples and make sure that that doesn't haunt them i sort of try to give people a clean slate to start over is sort of where i go and uh you know it, it's kind of like all right here's your scales. I'm taking all the weights off. They're completely balanced and empty. Now it's up to you. Ooh, and maybe mm. you helped me out with that too. Cause maybe I did, did an oops vampire and I was being investigated for like the disappearance slash potential yeah. murder of somebody. And yeah. like this whole weird system thing, you know, I was, you know, maybe it was even somebody that um, I was staying with. Mm. absolutely yeah i can totally see that yeah and actually that's yeah. that's a great plot hook oh my god <laughs> uh so jim i think and feel free to uh yes and or no but um i, I like the the dichotomy of you know you bring people to my web and i'll help them learn to walk on it kind of like you're bringing the people in you're giving them that that reset and I'm I'm making sure that they're worthy of it and they grow into it. Yeah, it's more like no, I give you nothing other than opportunity. What you do with the opportunity is up to you. 
Right. And then to lead, her, lead them cool. to your path. Right. I love that. That's cool. Uh, I want to have found this place on my own. Uh, I think my connection's dying. Yeah. Okay. And um, there are, you know, maybe some secrets around this, but how long ago, not that long ago, and how have you adjusted since you've come? Uh, I assume that's directed at me. Okay. Is this, is, yeah. Is this, uh, is this something that you've, you know, were seeking and found and you are now embracing, or is this something that might be a problem for you? It would be a big problem for me if it, if it came out. Um, I, um, yeah, I, I want this, like I've been looking for this, but, um, um, yeah, I think when I said I'm, I'm not embraced by my family. I think I'm going to revise that. Mm-hmm. I think I am. I think I'm seen as the heir apparent to the church. Yeah. Uh, and this is, uh, I have my reasons for having come to the coven, but like I, I sort of, um, I got a long ways being self-taught and then I found this place. This kind of works in the, in the motifs you were talking about earlier about subverting belief systems and, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Does the coven know about your um, your other life, or do you keep that hidden? Um, I uh, I want to play um, I want to play a trans girl, um, and I think no. I think when I am at the church, I am still playing my father's son, which I am not. Um, oh my heart. And, uh, but I don't have the strength to sort of break away. And I think that perhaps there is some concern that like, I'm a spy. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, when I'm at the, when I'm at the coven, most people just know me as, you know, that's when I, that's when I put on my real self. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. I'm already feeling the heart and we're just getting started at session zero. Well done. (laughs) Uh, cool. I have a pretty good picture of this. What do you guys think? Yeah. I'm loving it good. so far. Um, we kind of blasted through it too. <laughs> it's almost like you were prepared. <laughs> <laughs> like we didn't have a lot of lead time to come up with ideas. Yeah. Uh, all right. So why don't we, you, do you want to talk about the game system a bit and what to expect? Yeah, that unless, would be cool. unless there's more you want to talk about with regards to your characters or the coven or the town, and we can flesh some more things out, or we can play to find out. I want to play to find those things out. I feel like we've got a really good foundation right now. I do too. Yeah, yeah. There's no shortage of things that we can do and themes we can explore for sure. Can I pitch one thing though? Um, I'm curious if if any of you guys, as characters, know of any rumors about me. Or things that you wonder about, or not. We can also play to find. But I'm, I'm kind of just. It'd be fun to lean in early, <laughs> and let that let that blossom. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Cool. Actually, I love the idea of there being a lot of rumors 
revolving around you on how you can affect crop growth or or, or, or stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of yeah. people talk about you in town, like you do weird, mysterious things. You know, and like uh, it's like I saw her be a midwife, blah blah blah, and then you know she came over here, and then uh, yeah, my roses bloomed immediately when she walked up or whatever. Mm. <laughs> or that you managed to hit all you managed to hit all the witches conventions 1792 1892 1992 right how yeah. did that happen i just like a huge rumor you've been around for so long there's just like all these rumors circulating about you all the time yeah i like that cool that's interesting i have definitely read a sternly worded letter to the editor about your presence in the town <laughs> yes <laughs> good <laughs> All right, cool. Well, uh, the game, let's see, let's just talk about the game mechanics a bit. One of the things that you're going to uh, learn right away is that aspects are very important. Um, aspects are that uh, part of the triple goddess that you feel most like right now. Um, there's Mother, Mother, Maiden, and Crone. And uh, they are uh, mechanically, you choose them at the beginning of a chapter. And we'll get to what chapters are. But in-game, I mean, you really don't have a whole lot of control of what aspect you're in. You just sort of are, it's like a mood, you know? Something may have triggered it, or or maybe you're just feeling a certain way, and so Crone starts descending on you, or maybe you're feeling great and you had too much coffee, and you, you know, that anything can really as- affect it. So your your aspect is going to give you a bonus to one of your stats, as they're tied into your three stats. You have Mercy, which is tied to Maiden, you have uh, wisdom, which is tied to mother, and severity, which is tied to crone. So when you start your characters, and you can do this offline, you'll 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 look in the book and you can see a stat array. You just pick your stats. So your stats are going to be between plus two and minus two, and then when you're in a particular aspect, you get another bonus. So like if your severity is plus zero, this is powered by the apocalypse ish, then you would get a uh, a, a plus one when you're in crone when you're using severity. So uh, the moves are all pretty basic and you're going to find that the moves that you use uh, uh, like power of the apocalypse are triggered by the fiction, but they aren't really about what you do. They're more about why you're doing something is the moves don't really care about um, whether or not you hit somebody or kick them or whatever you're doing, hug them. I don't know. They care that you're doing it because of a reason. So you could potentially, you know, I use the, the term hug as a throwaway, but you could potentially say like, I'm going to hug somebody, but I'm doing it to intimidate them into doing something, right? So that's not a mercy role. That's a, you know, that's a, a severity role. I almost said wicked because of happiest apocalypse. I was running that recently. I threw happiest apocalypse at you, just slapped me. Uh, so you'll, you'll have... Uh, is we'll have discussions when you're doing things because I'm going to, I'm going to ask you questions about why a lot. So, you know, why are you, um, why are you slamming that door? What is it that you're trying to accomplish by doing that? And then you'll roll. So we're rolling on narrative, not on action. Um, so your moves are things like lash out or um, where's my list of moves. Condemn might be a move when you want everybody to think poorly of somebody else because of a bad decision they made. Right. Um, and it, it, it leads to great storytelling. But here, here's the thing. there's uh, With storytelling games, uh, in general, sometimes it's hard to find a focus in the narrative. So 
in this game, we have conflicts. Conflicts are signposts to show us what we're supposed to be focusing our, our actions and behavior on. So if there is no conflict in play for something, that means it might not be important to the story or it needs to be escalated so that it is. And that's how we drive the fiction forward. So if you, um, you'll see, I'm going to be throwing up a lot of conflicts. I don't know how we're going to do this yet through Zoom. I'm going to figure out something. I have an idea. I'll share the screen and then we'll have a virtual tabletop. But essentially what they're going to be are cars that say like, you know, uh, a vampire is here would be a conflict, right? And I'll use it sometimes without even telling you what's going on is like, and just put a conflict on the table, you know, and and then, oh, okay, we're going to have to focus on that. And if you want to do a move and there's no conflict, then we have to talk about it. And there, that's when you get kind of like a fate style sort of back and forth. So you also have magic and magic is uh, handled just like moves, but now you're, it's, this is more of a traditional kind of gaming thing where you're, you're like, I'm going to use this spell. And this is the effect that I'm after. The magic for your craft is is pretty vaguely worded, but also a little specific. So it should be tailored for a lot of different things. You can just kind of make it your own. Um, and they do very, very powerful, very OP kinds of things. Like Lilith can just kill somebody by making them bleed out of every orifice, just like that. You know, and- I did that in the one shot. It was fun. <laughs> Spider grandmother can level a city with a natural disaster. You know, they're, they're, they're not like oops, uh, kind of tricks. I mean, Hecate can resurrect somebody. So, so they're big, big spells, but the, the point is that it's because they have to be narratively driven and they have to be about conflict. So not, it's not as easy as just saying, I'm going to level a city. There's a lot more play uh, because we're focused on a story and that's how it works. Um, so you'll, you'll be using your magic probably more than you use moves. Um, and you'll get creative with how you use the magic. But if it's not on your list, you can still do it. You're just going to do it at woe, which is a disadvantage. Um, so that's, that's basically how the mechanics works. And just like moves, when you're using magic, you have to confront a conflict. If the conflict's not there, we have to deal with that. Um, as a side note, we deal with that by um, either you confronting a conflict that's already been confronted, but still kind of is there. It's called a subdued conflict. So it's something that's in play, but not resolved. Or... I put down a new conflict and I've escalated it so that you can confront it. So you're not just going to do the, what this is doing is a stopping us from going after the same thing over and over again. It's like, no, it's going to be bigger and worse, you know, if you keep doing this. So that's, that's basically the core mechanic. It's actually pretty simple. And um, I think you'll find it drives a really cool story. The, the big thing about this game that's different than most is that it's divided into chapters. Uh, Different chapters are for different things. So if you are, um, you've just come back from something and you have to uh, collect all your resources to go out and do something like a heist or like an invasion or something. That's a meeting. And actually we don't need to roll dice. You just tell me what you need and you have it and you work it out through the narrative. Do we have a biker gang of werewolves? Uh, Yes, of course you do. This is the meeting. If you need a biker gang of werewolves, you can have a biker gang of werewolves and we'll use it. So really a meeting is sort of a way to collect resources because then you're going to go into a mission and that's a different type of chapter where you are all, badass witches taking names and getting things done. And so when you're in a mission, that means that whatever aspect you're in, you actually get an advantage on your magic because you're more powerful Um, versus a menace when there's a threat coming at you. And that chapter is about you being on the defense. And so you're actually going to have woe on most of your magic in that case. So, um, 
so the chapters kind of tell you what kind of scenes we're going to be playing out and then they're over when they're over and we move into a new chapter and then, and that kind of structures things for us. There's other different types of chapters too. We'll get into later, but, but that's how the game is structured and that's what you should expect. I just dumped a lot on you. You're like, yeah, okay. I understood every word you said. I read your book, bro. (laughs) (laughs) We read ahead. I'm Asian. I studied in in advance. (laughs) Some stereotypes are true, y'all. <laughs> um, I do want to raise one question. Um, so I definitely want to make sure that we're all comfortable and that we're, we're giving proper respect to the theme and the tone of the setting and of the story. So I want to check in because I, my concept right now is the character that I'm playing will be male, masculine presenting. Um, is everyone cool with that? Do we have any ideas or conflicts in terms of tone? Would that be weird for, for anyone? No. Cool. No. Okay. Not at all. Um, cool. You mean men exist? <laughs> <laughs> what? And I kind of, I kind of, and it doesn't have to be a thing, but I kind of like the idea of um, maybe male traditionally aren't common in covens or in in the craft um maybe due to societal pressures or just whatever but that could be something that comes up but um i just want to make sure that if it does nobody's uncomfortable or if we don't want to make that a a hard line or a veil for anyone yeah i think it stands to reason that um men have it pretty good and so don't really need to change things for right. them. And so there probably wouldn't be very many men in covens, even though, right. you know. Um, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I, 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 I've I like seen that. it played out in other games and it does work. Okay. And I do like the idea of like, I'm, I don't like the way that men quote unquote are being defined right now. Like the presentation right now is just completely unbalanced and messed up. Um, so that's kind of, where I will be <laughs> challenging myself as well to play into that story and really go into a lot of themes of toxic masculinity and that yes, kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um, I would be interested in seeing some of that play out. Uh, if it does uh, become uncomfortable, please. I, I want everyone to have a good time and not get uh, you know confronted with anything that we don't want to see. So just want to check in. I think there's an overlap there with what I'm trying to do. So that could be mm, interesting. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually saw the presentation that time. The light was right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, thank you for that. And um, and I, I, this game does generate discussions and, you know, it's okay to have them. So feel free to bring things up. That, then that but way. I plan on playing this character. I want to use, but that, Basically, it's going to have a lot of. Uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, variance in her behavior because, like I said, she will either. It's it's a good way to bring balance or a bad way to bring balance. So you know she'll have a light side and a dark side that will become evident uh, at at a lot of points. So it's a character that may end up doing some shady things just because she thinks it'll bring balance. So I, I think that probably will bring a little bit of conflict in, into the the group, but I'm, I'm hoping that everybody's okay with, you know, maybe characters that not 100% play nice with the rest of the group, but you know, 
Yeah, no, that's totally okay. I'm very much a character conflict kind of player. Yeah, that's good. And character conflict works in this game because there's nothing to lose. I mean, you don't, uh, part of the, what happens is I put a conflict on the table and now you're rolling against that, you know, and uh, it's totally doable. Also, uh, you should know in this game that you, you don't die unless you have to. So you don't have to worry about any of that. You know, you, you can die and uh, that's fine. And if you do, there's rules about what happens after that, which is can be resurrected and you have a Hecate. So that helps. Um, in fact, the game that I played yesterday, uh, somebody jumped in front of a, a, a very bad phase spell and got a soul ripped out. And it was cool because the Hecate put the soul right back in, you know. <laughs> but, you know, there there are ways to resolve your character, as it's called in the game. And that might be that I'm moving to Cincinnati. Sorry. <laughs> See ya. Uh, and in that case, if you leave the coven, then you get um, charm, which is the game's currency, and you can help me run the game. Essentially, you just start introducing truths. This game works a lot with uh, introducing truths, so you have narrative control. So feel free to beat each other up, yell at each other, throw cars at each other, whatever you need to do to make a point. Mm-hmm. Level a city. You could do that. Max yeah. smash. <laughs> uh, cool. Um, wow, we covered a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. And relatively quickly, too. Yeah. Yeah. And we got a late start, so that worked out. Maybe that's why I was like, rushing through. I hope I didn't seem like I rushed. No, I yeah. think uh, everything was paced out very well. Okay. Especially since you were somewhat harried coming into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just so that you we are having major tech issues. Um, just making a text real quick. We we arrived fashionably late as as is proper. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um one of the things that I'm going to do is uh, set up a mood board and I'll, I'll try to see if I can make this public and maybe post it on the forums or something. Um, but this is something that's helped me in the last campaign. Just so you know, I, I wrapped the last campaign, which started in alpha and moved all the way to beta and the campaign was so good. Uh, and I can't wait to start a new one with you all because it's just, um, I just saw how it can go in a whole arc. Um, but one of the cool things that we had was a mood board and we were able to um, just put pictures of our, of what we see our characters or things that they liked and other things. So I'm going to set that up and we can set that up for the viewers to look at too and participate around. And that'll, that'll be really cool. Make rich character identities. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we ended early. We have everything we need to make an awesome campaign. And so I appreciate you all coming tonight and thank you for your patience. Yeah. Thank you for putting this together. I'm so stoked. So looking forward to getting into these stories. Mm -hmm. This is going to be good times. Yeah. Yeah. I am thrilled to be here. Awesome. Okay. Um, I don't know how to do the sign off, but I know there's a calendar coming, which will show dates, important dates that you need to know as Happy Jacks viewers. I also know that there's a at happyjacks.org.org is the website with all of the information. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also social media links there that go to many things called Happy Jacks RPG. Um, yeah, I'm Chris Gray. I'm Jim Sandoval. I'm Emily Vanderwerf. I'm Joe Koo. And I have been and will continue to be Mac Beauvais.
Never change back. Please don't. <laughs> and we'll see you. So long.